all good morning. I know I've introduced myself to a lot of you. My name is Larry Munsinger. I'm one of the pastors over at Calvary Castle Rock. Um, I get the privilege and really the blessing of being the young adult pastor over there as well as a family pastor. And, uh, and so I'm just so thankful that I'm here with you guys today. I have my family, my wife, my daughters, my son in the back, my mother-in-law, and two other guys that just follow me around, like my posse. Just kidding. No. One of them is engaged in my daughter. And then really Justin just follows Ty around. So, um, uh, but, and I have my favorite person in the whole wide world, um, my grandson, Hudson. So, um, yeah. And my daughter's pregnant with a, another baby. So two grandkids. So, so thankful to be here with you guys this morning. Um, you know, when, when Dave asked me, uh, to come over here, I was blown away because it's kind of like, there's always like that, that division, right? Like, well, you know, you're this kind of denomination, you're this kind of denomination and, and you have this kind of building and you have this kind of building. And so when he asked me to do this, I, I was, I was super excited because, you know, and, and, and first Corinthians one twelve, he says, now I say to each of you, uh, that each of uh, each of you say, I am Paul, or I am of Paul, of Apollo, sorry, or I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. And, and we're all one body, right? And, and that's the amazing thing. We, we share, we share the same Jesus. And so I was just super, super excited. We may have different buildings. We may have different names on our buildings, but at the end of the day, we serve the same Lord. And so I was just super, super excited, um, that he asked me, and I'm super excited to be here with you guys. My, we used to live up the road, and so we'd actually walk by this church all the time when my kids were a lot smaller than they are now. And so our title of our message today is, uh, is Do We Pray? Right? And, and as I was kind of putting this together, uh, Dave asked me to teach here, and I started thinking, you know what, I'm just going to teach something in Colossians. And then the Lord put on my heart uh, prayer. So as I read Colossians chapter 1, it's Paul is praying for the church in Coloss. And so that's where I really... Uh, um, I, I really just said, okay, great. And so the question is, um, would we be considered a man or a woman of prayer? Right. And so, and then also, um, why do we pray? What's the purpose of prayer? And James five, 13 through 18, he says this, he says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing Psalms. Is anyone sick or anyone among you sick? Let him call to the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him for up. And he has committed. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half or three and a half years. He prayed again, and the heavens and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And so, as I was reading, I was like, "That's kind of like here, like we've been in a drought for so long, and apparently somebody just prayed for rain again, and it hasn't stopped." And, uh, and so the word prayer or pray is actually used three, 246 times in the Bible. And so that's a pretty important, um, topic, right? That's a pretty important thing if it's used that many times. And I believe that prayer is so important and that's why Jesus shows us how to pray. So in Matthew six, five through 15, he says, and when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you go or when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in a secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. How many of you guys have seen that movie War Room? Right? Where, where they go into a room and, 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 and that, and that's her prayer. I had a young lady. She was in our youth group. She went to be at the Lord a couple years ago and she had this room and, and, and her parents didn't even know her. She would go up to a room and her parents actually wouldn't know where she went. And, and, and so when she passed away, her parents were up there like straightening up her room and kind of cleaning stuff up and everything. And they went into her closet and they saw her closet just and, and, and on the, on the, when you walk in on the door, it just said the war room. And as, and as you walk in, her whole side of the closet was just filled with prayer requests, 
just praying for people, all the pastors at our church, what they were going through, how she could pray for them. And it just blew me away. So as I was reading this verse, that's what it made me think about. We, we should definitely have our prayer room. Not that we can't pray in the open, right? Not that we can't be driving down the street and praying. Not that we can't be praying for people on, on the street. Um, you know, whatever. This is just saying, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, screaming and yelling at the top of our lungs on the street corner. Um, you know, and you, I'm sure you guys have seen those people repent now, you know, or you're all going to hell, you're all going to burn and all that kind of stuff. I and mean, we shouldn't do those. And so going on here, um, in verse seven of Matthew and when, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things which you have need for before you ask him in this manner, therefore pray. And so Jesus is going to show us how to pray. And it's our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And it's interesting because that's what we're going to be talking about a lot or a little bit is, is God's will for our lives. And as I was looking at your guys' bulletin, that quote from Oswald Chambers, spiritual maturity is not reached by the passion of passing of the years but obedience to the will of god that's a great quote um continuing on gives us give us this daily bread forgive us our debts as we are as we forgive our debtors do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will forgive you also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. And so I think it's pretty awesome how even our pastors in our community, and I'm sure Brian has told you about this, um, but how they pray every Thursday morning. They get together and they pray. They pray for our community. They pray for our churches. They pray for our government. And so I think that we really do have something special here in Castle Rock. It may not be a small community that it was, you know, 30 years ago. It's getting much, much bigger. But that's even more reasons why we need more churches. That's why we need more pastors that are teaching the word is because it's so important. And so to have pastors that are able to come together again, one body, right, that are able to come together and, and pray, it's just amazing. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, and we're really just going to focus on a couple verses. It's going to be 9 through 12, but we need to read 1 through 8 to kind of get some context of what Paul's talking about. And so if you guys don't mind turning your Bibles there, but before we start, let's pray. And so, Lord, we do thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that, uh, that, that this is your word. It's not ours. And so, Lord, we know that your word is the best word. And so I pray as we go through this that you'd speak through me. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, that you would open our, our hearts and our ears to what you have for us here this morning. And so just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So uh, Colossians 1, uh, verse 1, and I'm just going to read 1 through 8 real quick just to kind of give us some context, and then we'll really dive into 9 through 12. And so Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Coloss. And so we know that Paul wrote this letter. We know that Timothy was with him, and we know that the letter is being written to the church of Coloss. And, and he does his normal greeting that he does, uh, grace and peace from God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ. And it's really important to point out the reason why he does that greeting, I, I really believe, is because a lot of these churches in those times had like started like Gnosticism. Some of these weird teachings started creeping in to the churches. And so I really believe that's why he's writing these letters the way that he does is because he wants them to know like the Lord Jesus Christ, not just anybody, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse three says, we give thanks to God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you've heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is also in the world, in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit. And it is among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. As you have learned from Epaphras, our fellow, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love and spirit. And so Epaphras was a pastor in Coloss. He probably got saved in Ephesus where they were, when, when, they, when that whole thing was going on, right? And so he gets, he gets saved. He probably was discipled under Paul. He goes and now he starts a church in Coloss. 
But somehow he made his way back down to Paul during this time to tell him what was going on in Coloss. And so now Paul is writing him this letter. And, and it's interesting because at this point, Paul's in prison. So Paul's not just, you know, out starting churches and doing his thing. He's actually in prison at this time. And so this letter could have looked a lot different, right? I mean, think about it. Like if we're in prison, I don't know if you guys have ever been to prison. I haven't. Um, my daughter, once she's in there now, she comes into the car one day and goes, Dad, how many times have you been to jail? Uh, I've, I've never been to jail. She's like, oh, okay. I'm like, what are you telling your friends about me? But, um, so, but I could imagine what, what that, um, what that letter would have looked like if, if I was writing it. I'd have been like, hey, can you send someone to break me out of prison? Can you send me some money for bail? Maybe some snacks? But instead, Paul's heart here is really to pray for the church of Coloss. And so this is what he does. So because of everything the Lord is doing through Epaphras in that church in Coloss, Paul says, since we have heard of your faith in Jesus and the love of the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, which you have heard before in the word of truth of the gospel. And, and, And I believe that's what all churches need. Right. And, and, and this church is amazing. You guys are very welcoming and, and because we need to have love or faith. We need to have love and we need to have the truth of God's word. Right. And those are the most important things in, in a church. And because of all the great things that the Lord is doing in the church, Paul has heard about it. And so he starts off with verse nine here in Colossians chapter one. He says, for this reason, we also, since the day that we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so we're just going to kind of go through and, and, uh, and I'll read the verses and then we're just going to kind of go through each, each like little section because I think they're really important for what Paul is praying for here. And he says, since the day we've heard what the Lord is doing in Coloss and we do not cease to pray for you. You know, I think one of the best things that we get to do in this world is just pray for people. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you've had people come to you and say, hey, man, I, I've been praying for you this week. And, and, it, and it just like fills your heart. You're like, wow, you've been praying for me? We have a couple uh, people in our church that I just are know are our prayer warriors. And, and a really good friend of mine, his name is uh, Jim. And, and he's like not, not almost twice my age. I think he's exactly 30 years older than I am, right? And so you look at this guy and you're like, man, why would we be like best friends? But he's that guy. He's came up to me many times. Hey, I just want to let you know, Larry, I've just been praying for you this week. And, and something like just fills up in your heart. You're like, wow. And so they're getting this letter. And you can imagine what they're thinking, right? Wow, Paul's, Paul's praying for us. And I would say Paul was a prayer warrior. You know, as, as you kind of go through the scriptures, you, and I was counting like just the different times that Paul was actually praying. I stopped at 45 times because I'm like, wow, that, that's a lot, right? It, it, and, and we know that he wrote most of the New Testament, but that's still a lot, 45 different times that he was praying. And I was, as I was putting this together, because you always have to sift everything through our own heart, right? When we teach the word of God, or when we're in our own daily devotions, whatever it may be, we have to sift that through our own heart. So I always ask myself, man, what is my prayer life like? You know, there's one day I was driving down the street and I'm praying, oh, Lord, you're so great. You're... And then I realized that the car in front of me was going super slow. And so you're like, Lord, you're great. What are you doing? Speed up. Like, that quick, right? And, and so, and so, but what is, what is my prayer life like? You know, am, am I praying for people? And, and, uh, and so there are many examples of praying without ceasing in the Bible. And there, there's just one that really stands out to me, and it's the story of Nehemiah. And we don't have time to get into Nehemiah, otherwise we'll be here all day, which is fine with me, um, cause I really enjoy teaching, but I don't know, you guys are probably gonna get hungry, you guys want lunch, I understand. Um, but in Nehemiah, if you guys ever have a chance to read Nehemiah, if you haven't, just chapter one would be, would be great. But Nehemiah, what his problem, what his problem was, is, is where he came from was destroyed. It was completely leveled. There was no, there was no gates. Somebody came and told Nehemiah what was going on. His family was there. There's no safety. And so it was a burden on him, right? And so what did Nehemiah do? He says in like verse five around there, he goes of chapter one, he goes, man, he's, I prayed and I fasted for days and days and days. And I thought that's, that's pretty cool. When we want to see God do something, we need to fast. And Nehemiah's job was a cupbearer. So what he did was, I mean, he was like the guy, like the cook, Nehemiah and the king. And so, um, so, so Nehemiah couldn't look 
bad, right? He couldn't look down. He had to be happy all the time because you're serving the king the food. And so as, 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 as he came to the king one time and he looked sad and the king said, Hey, why, why are you so sad? As you know, that could have been like death for, for Nehemiah. Like the king could have just said, okay, but he noticed that he was sad. And so Nehemiah tells the king, and of course we know that this is a pagan king. It's King Artaxerxes. And, and so he goes to the king and he tells him exactly what's going on. And of course we know that this is after uh, days of like praying and, and, and fasting. And Nehemiah sits down and he tells the king what goes on. And King Artaxerxes tells him, go. And I'm going to give you everything that you need to rebuild. Wow. So not only does he have to leave his station as being the cupbearer to the king, the king's saying, you know what, go, and I'm going to give you everything that you need. That's only God answering prayers, because that's not normal. And of course, we can go through the whole Bible and pick out different prayers of different people. We have David, we have uh, Daniel, we have all these great examples in the Bible. But again, you know, we don't want to be here all day. And so I think one of the saddest things in the church today is in general is, is just, you know, we have we have these congregations of like, you know, tons and tons of people. But then we're like, hey, you know, let's get together and pray. And there's like two. And and, and, and I don't think that I think it should be the opposite. Right. I think, you know, on Sundays we should have less people than when we do a prayer meeting. The church should be blown up. And I, and I know and you guys have known too, you guys get in your prayer meetings and, and these people are praying and I've sat there and, and I'm not like the smartest guy in, in the world. Like I barely graduated high, graduated high school and, and I, whatever. But, um, so I'm not the smartest guy. So I'm sitting in, there in these prayer meetings and, and, and I say my prayer, but then I hear other people pray and I'm like, wow, like I'm just sitting there. Right. And now, and now I'm sitting because I'm coveting that person's prayer. Like, Lord, I want to pray like that guy. Right. And now I have to ask for forgiveness. And now I lost contract or, you know, uh, concentration. Now I can't even pray because I'm so worried about another guy. But but there are there's some people that really do. And so, again, the first thing that Paul does here is he prays, he prays for them. And this is what he prays for. He prays that they are filled with the knowledge of his will. That word fills means that you are completely full. There's nothing that you need more. Jesus is everything that we need. We don't need anything more. Colossians 2.10. And I'm going to go through a lot of verses. So if you guys just want to write those down, you guys can, or you guys can flip super, super quick. I'll try to try to slow down so you guys can turn there. But Colossians 2.10 says, um, you are complete in him. Wow. So God's will. We're complete in God. So we know that the knowledge of his will as a believer in Jesus Christ is not a secret, right? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is, uh, is second Peter three, nine says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. His will. We know for sure is that no one, no one uh, shall perish. We know that Jesus wants everybody to, to, to go to heaven. And, and, and as I teach this to the young adults and in the church and, and youth ministry, whoever I'm teaching, I always, I always tell them like, Hey, by the way, if I get to heaven and find out like you were the last person getting saved and then like the rapture happened, I'm going to be super mad. And, uh, and so they don't, they don't really care, but, um, but that's what I always tell them because like, like, you know, the word you should have accepted Jesus. Ephesians five seventeen through 18 says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is a dis- uh, dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And so that's God's will, that we be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so we know that we shouldn't perish, that we know we need to be filled with the Spirit. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 3 says, For this is the will of God for your sanctification. We should be set apart from the rest of the world, right? So we know we shouldn't perish. We need to be filled and we also have to be set apart, right? Once we give our lives to Jesus, we need to be different. We can't be that same person. We have to be transformed. The first Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 rejoice always praying without ceasing and everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Wow. Now that's super hard. I'm not going to lie. Rejoice always pray without ceasing 
Praying, praying. I, I think I got that down. I, I, I think I do pray, pray a lot. Um, but rejoice always. Everything gives thanks. You know, my, you guys all saw my grandson. So when he was 11 months old, he got bit by a dog. So this big old dog just came and just grabbed his whole head and, and he got bit. And so for me, I'm looking at that situation. I'm like, how can I, how can I rejoice? How can I rejoice? How, how can I be, how can I be happy about that? Right. And, and so many things were happening at that time and, and the doctors weren't moving fast enough. And, and so I'm thinking like, okay, here, my son or my grandson, he has a bandage and, and my daughter and my son-in-law and my wife were there and, and we're trying to take care of him. And it just seemed like everybody in the hospital was just taking their time and I'm freaking out. I'm like, don't they know who I am? I'm nobody important, but I always ask people that. And so, um, and, and, and so I'm like, my grandson's hurt. He needs to be fixed. I don't care about anybody else in this emergency room. You need to focus on my grandson. Well, to come find out that my grandson ate food. And so they had to wait for the surgery. They, otherwise something bad could have happened. He could have stopped breathing. He could have, he could have, he could have like, like choked up and all like different things. And so then I'm like, all right, Lord, you know, you're really good. You know, all things. Right. And so then it's easy. Like when you realize all the circumstances, okay, God, you're right. You're good. And so we can rejoice always. And so these are just a small list of what God of God's wills are for our lives. But really, if we really think about like the context of the Bible from Romans 12 2, where it actually says, don't be conformed, but be transformed from that point all the way. Really, if we really like get into it all the way to Revelation chapter three, it all speaks of God's will for our life. And so maybe that's something you could do in your spare time is just really kind of go through the word of God and trying to figure out what that looks like. And I wish we could spend all the time just on God's will, but we have to keep moving. And so verse 10, these are, and, and these, and this is just a list of all the things that Paul's praying for. So the next things that he prays for is that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul prays that they may walk worthy, fully pleasing him. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe that we should walk like it. Right? That word um, walk is actually an active word. It means continually to do it, not just to stop. You know, the problem with the Dead Sea is what makes it the Dead Sea is it's stagnant. It's not moving. And there's no inlet. There's no outlet. It just, well, I'm sorry, there is an inlet, but there's no outlet. So that inlet just goes in there. All that water from the Jordan just goes in there and, and it just stays there and it's it's nothing nothing lives in that i don't know if you guys anybody been to israel anybody been to the dead sea it's pretty amazing all you do is like just floating it it's super super cool we're sitting there floating around with some friends and i'm like oh something just bit me and people start freaking out i'm like there's nothing in here but you know um but so but that's it right and so our walk shouldn't look stagnant ephesians 4 1 through 6 says therefore the prisoner of the lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you are called. Great. But how do I do that? We have to keep reading. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. And so this is, this is a list, another list. There's so many lists in the Bible, but this is just another list of, of, of how we should walk, right? Lowliness, gentleness, long suffering, bearing with one another. You know, in love and that word in love, right? That, that like that, that, that's like that ultimate love, right? We have to walk with people in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit. Just as you were called into one hope of your calling. Exactly what we're doing here. One body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father over of all who is above all and through all and in you all. It's amazing. How should we walk? Lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Crazy. Again, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all. 1 Thessalonians 2, 12 says that you walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. 
You know, just as a father wants to be proud of his children, so the Lord wants you wants to get the glory through the lives of his children, right? You guys might have kids, grandkids, and we just want to see them do great, great things, right? We want to be proud of our kids. And, and all three of my kids, I'm, I'm very, very proud. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because as a young adult pastor or the youth pastor at one time, like now I just have like a million kids, right? And so and, and you just want to be proud of them all. But the Lord wants to get the glory through us as well. Not like the Lord's like, I'm not proud of you. He's not up there saying that. But he just wants to get the glory through our lives, right? What do we, what is it? What do we walk like? What do we do? He wants to get the glory for that. He wants us to live as, 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 as him, right? As, as, as we continue to grow closer to the Lord, we, we should start to look close, more like Jesus. Not that we're ever going to attain that. Philippians 1.27 says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. The way that we conduct ourselves should show the love of Jesus. When we're at work, when we're at the store, when you're driving, right? And that, that's like a huge stumbling thing for me. Ask my family. Like that's like, I, I, I just, I'm a terrible driver and I know it, but, um, but that's it. But, but we should c- conduct ourselves, right? We shouldn't be doing anything that's going to ruin the Lord's name, right? As, as a pastor, I'm very self-conscious of, of everything that, that I do, right? Because I don't want to stumble anybody else. I want when, when, when people see me and, and I, and I'm not trying to be fake either. I don't want to be like, like pretending like I'm better than I am. I just, there's just certain things in my life that I don't do because I'm afraid I might stumble somebody else. Right. And so those are just, just the things, um, I am like, you know, Sunday morning, you know, you're, you're flying to church cause you're late and you race past a car and you pull into a parking lot. Like two seconds later, that car pulls in right next to you. So now I just park behind the church. So, um, but it's not good. We want to make sure that our, that our conduct shows that we love Jesus, that our walk, we love Jesus. Paul goes on to say in verse 10, um, fruit in every good work. We know that we're not saved by works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gifts of God, not of works, lest any should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we know that we're not saved by grace, or I'm sorry, we're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace. It is a gift, right? We can't work for that. There's nothing that we can do. I don't care how much you serve at church. I don't care how much money you give to the church. I don't care any of that. You're never going to be able to work your way into heaven. And, and, and also, normally, you know, you don't have to pay for gifts, right? Otherwise, it's not a gift. Like, hey, here's a gift. You owe me 15 bucks. I don't want it, right? And so we don't, we don't pay for that, right? And God knows if we, if we have to work for it, we would just boast about it, right? Hey, look at everything I'm doing. You slack today. I'm definitely going to heaven and you're not, right? Those type of things. And so, and, and, and not only that, but like how much work. I was watching a, a video one time and, and, and it broke my heart. Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Dare to Share, but it's like a youth ministry type thing. And, and so we had this, um, so they asked this Muslim guy, like, hey, are you going to heaven? And he goes, I hope so. He goes, what do you mean you hope so? He goes, well, I just hope I've done enough works in my life to be able to get there. And I was like, wow, you missed the whole saved by grace, right? And so we shouldn't boast. God already has everything planned out. Just do what he says. I'm a true believer. Like, I'm super simple-minded. I, I love the word of God. It tells me to do this. And I'm like, great, I'm going to do that. <laughs> right? I'm not going to be like, well, maybe he meant something else through it. So I'm going to really like try to find loopholes. No, God says that we should do it. In John 15... One through two, 
1 and 2. He says, I am the true vine, and my father the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bear fruit, he prunes that it, bear, that it may bear more, more uh, fruit. Sorry. So I'm not sure if you guys ever kind of like, like Googled vine dresser, right? And so, so these vine dressers are, are like super, super good at their job, right? That's like their, that's their trade. So think about what you guys do. If you're retired or what you did, you're super good at your trade. So these vine dressers, what they do is like, if you're just bearing kind of like fruit, then what this vine dresser does is, is he goes and he just bends that vine and, 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 and he bends it and he can feel all the fibers and they're just cracking, but he knows exactly how far to bend it before it completely breaks because once it breaks it's done right it's dead and so and so and so he just breaks it breaks it breaks it and then and then he lets it go and now that vine bears more fruit right and so that's what he wants to do in our lives sometimes we're being pruned right you're like lord that's not good i I don't like being pruned i don't want that to happen but that's what he does so sometimes he puts things in our lives where where he's going to he wants to grow us he wants to bear more fruit in james 2 18 says, but some will say, I have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Works are good for us, but we don't need them, right? Because it does not save us. Jesus saves us. We do works because it's what God calls us to do. You guys, some of you guys were here this morning doing uh, Sunday school setting up early for, for, for church, all those type of things. We do that just because we love Jesus, right? Before I came on staff at Calvary Castle Rock, I was there for 10 years serving, doing everything that I normally did, but, but I had a full-time job, had a family. Those are things we do just because that's what God calls us to do, right? Not because I'm like, ooh, I'm going to get a better place in heaven, right? We're, we're de- that, that's not the goal. You know, and I serve at our church because I love to serve at our church. I love to serve young adults because I love to serve God. I love to do what I do because I just love the Lord. And so finishing off verse 10 here, it says, increasing in the knowledge of God. So how do we increase? How do you increase your knowledge? Well, you guys, some of you guys did this morning Sunday school, right? Some of you guys are here, right? That's increasing your knowledge. The great thing about coming to church is because when you're like, when we're in our daily devotions, we really can like dictate what we go through, what we read, how we, not necessarily how we interpret it, but the, but the application that comes from it, right? But then when you guys come to church, some of you guys knew I was going to be here. Some of you guys didn't. You guys have no idea what I was going to teach. And so this is the Holy Spirit just teaching you, giving you more knowledge of the word of God because you guys didn't call me and say, hey, Larry, I really need you to teach on this verse. Well, maybe Brian did for Randy, but I'm just kidding. No, um, I just remember your name. Sorry, Randy, I had to call you out. But um, but, uh, um, but he didn't, right? He, he didn't call me. And, and so this is something that the Lord put, put on my heart. And so this is, the, this is for you guys. This is growing your guys' knowledge. Exactly the same thing when, when, when your pastor's up here, Pastor Brian, and, and, and he's teaching, he, he's, he's given that knowledge. But also, we need to study on our own, right? We need to make sure that we're in the Word of God our, ourselves. And so increasing our knowledge of the Word, this is the Word of God, right? This is, this is what we should be studying. I know there's a lot of, a lot of books out there that are like self-help books, and, and you guys can buy this kind of book and this kind of book, and, and I've done counseling sessions, and, and I've talked to people, and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of our, our marriage, our marriage counseling that we do, I always ask the one question, is this the final authority in your life? Because if it's not, then, then, then I, I can't use it. Right? Because this has to be the final authority in our life. This is where we get the knowledge of God from. You know, there's, there's, there's great books out there. There's great tools. I'm not going to put it past all that, but this is like, this is like the best thing. This is the Word of God. And so you want to know also how you guys can, um, can increase your knowledge. When you guys go home, you after church, you know, you guys leave, you guys are out during, during the week. Uh, Acts 17, uh, verses 10 and 11, great, great verses. 
And so this is like, this is when, when Paul and, and like the whole church kind of like started and, and people were kind of going off on these different things. And well, we didn't know that and we didn't know this. And, and, and so Acts 17, 10 through 11 says, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Bria. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. They are more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they received the word with all readiness, and they searched the scriptures daily to find out if these things were so. You know, I spend a lot of time in, in studying for, for a message. I'm sure Brian does as well. But, it, but it's your guys' responsibility now to take that home and to study for your guys' self. Right? Don't take our word for it. Go to the word of God. And not only that, you know, for, for you guys that have, that have kids and, 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 and grandkids, Deuteronomy 6, and again, as I was kind of going through this last night, this popped in my mind, but Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9, says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These things I have commanded you today and shall be in your heart. And then seventeen or sorry, 7 through 9 says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you should talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall, and they shall be a, f- a frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And those are, and we know that what he's talking about, like is the law, but man, that's what we should be, te- we, we should be doing. We have grandkids, we have kids teaching them the word of God, right? Sowing into them. Hey, what did you learn today? What did you learn today? How's, how's church going? All those different things. And of course, without a shadow of doubt, always praying for, for your kids and your grandkids as well. And so while you're learning, make sure that you're teaching your kids as well and grandkids and, and other people around you. We don't have to just limit to that, but other people around you. Let them see you studying the word. Let them see you praying for others. I believe as believers, we need to be in the word of God every day, not only to increase our knowledge, but also to keep us on the right track. And then this is interesting because second or Paul says in second Timothy four, two through five, and this is for everybody. A lot of people just take like a portion like, well, that's for that person. This is for this person, but this is for everybody. Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with long suffering and teaching that word long suffering shows up a lot. And we're long suffering just really means like suffer longer than you want to is really what it means. Um, for the time will come when they do not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up on themselves, uh, teachers. And, and just think about that. That's truer more today than I think ever before. The itching ears part. They will turn their ears away from the truth and they will turn aside to fables, to false teachings. Verse five. But you, um, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. Do not do the work of an evangelist uh, to fulfill your ministry. And I really believe that's what we're called to do. Again, I I really believe that. Like, you know, and I always ask the question, like, like how much worse does the U.S. have to get than Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And so, can you guys imagine what kind of letter our church would be getting today from Paul? Right. Just the church in general, like in, in the U.S., like what kind of letter would it be like, what are you guys doing? Transgenderism, all this different thing, all the different things that are going on in just kind of the last couple of years in, in our life is just kind of kind of crazy. But, but what are we doing? And so our job is to be ready in season and out of season. And, and it's sad because I think we're seeing fewer churches teaching the truth. And more churches teaching, like just tickling the ear. I know as believers, we have to be ready to say um, why we don't believe certain things and why we do certain things. First Peter 3, 5 says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So to increase your knowledge, that's exactly what you have to do. Be prepared. Be in the word. Right? And not only that, but I believe it's our job to to make sure that that we're raising up that younger generation. Right? That that we have to come alongside that younger generation because honestly, you know, who's gonna who's gonna kind of take over the church next? Right? You know, I, I just know for Calvary's in general, um Calvary pastors are are are, are getting super, super old. 
and, and, and it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of young people coming up under them. Right. And so, you know, we have to, we have to be thinking about who's going to, who's going to run our churches after we can't all those type of things. And so our job is to make sure we're raising up that generation. But again, I could tell you, it's not only up to the pastor of the church to share and preach the word. It's up to all of us. But that's what's so important. Why we should increase our knowledge in the word of God. Right. And knowledge of God is because of that. It's not just for us, but it's for everybody around us. First John two, two through four says, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. Uh, John thirteen thirty four, I believe it is. It says, um, it says, ah, uh, uh, now I just lost train of thought. Um, now I got to read it. Sorry. I will find it. Uh. That's why I always have my Bible. Um, it says, a new commandment I give to you, that as you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So how are we supposed to love people? As Christ loved people. That's super hard sometimes, I'm not going to lie. Right? You have people out there, you're like, yeah, I don't love you. Right? But we need to, because that's his commandment. That's what he's asking us to do. We have to have a great love for his word and a great love for people. And so the last verse that we're going to look at, well, actually, we'll probably look at verse 12 as well. But last one, um, it says, strengthen with all might. And so this is verse 11 in Colossians. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. This word strengthen is actually used three times in the Bible, which I thought was interesting. It's, it's used twice for strengthen, but it's used one time in Hebrews 1134 um, as uh, we're made strong. So, but this is according to all his glorious power. And this power isn't temporary. The word is active. So it means it's ongoing. It's not like a space shuttle. How many of you guys are like, like saw a space shuttle launch, 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 um, launch. And, 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 you know, it takes off and those thrusters and everything's like, and it takes off, but then they like release. And then I guess the, I'm not a astro, not, so I don't know, but I'm assuming that now it just kind of goes without having that power behind it. Um, so it's not like that, right? God's power is ongoing. It's all the time, right? And, 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 it, and it's his power. And you need this power because Paul adds here, for all patience, able to endure hard circumstances and people. How many people here need the power to handle hard people in your life? Okay, just saying. Like that's super, super hard, right? There's some people you're like, oh, okay. You guys are all fantastic. I'm talking about everybody else. Um, but there are people out there that you just kind of like, okay, I can't do this. And so we need that power, right? We need that power. We need his power. We need his strength. All these different things. Philippians 1, 9 says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and, and all discernment. Again, we have that knowledge word, but then also discernment. Discernment is, is for me, when I'm counseling somebody, I always pray, okay, Lord, give me discernment in this, in this area. Because I want Lord to tell me, okay, what's really going on? Rather it be a marriage, rather it be um, something going on with a young adult, uh, something going on with a youth kid. Lord, what's really going on? What's really the underlying factor in this? And so the last two that we see here are both fruits of the Spirit. Long-suffering. Again, that's kind of what I, what I said before. It's, it's suffering l longer than you want. It actually means to have a long temper. And the last one is joy. You know, uh, James says in uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Yay. Like, like there's some verses you're like, God, you could have made that sound so much better. Right? Like, hey, find joy because I'm going to make everything better for you. That doesn't happen. Right? But you know, joy, joy is a lot different than happiness. Right? 
joy is not just, or, or happiness is like, woohoo, I'm happy. I got a, a Snicker bar and a Coke. Yay. Right? I, I, I don't know. Like, I get to go swimming. Like, yay, I'm happy. Like, joy is that thing that lasts forever, right? Joy is like, like that joy in the Lord. Like, like we have Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That joy can go on forever, right? Because I, I don't have to worry about what this, what happens in this world. Because I know at the end of the day, I'm going to stand next to Jesus one day in heaven. And so that's where my joy comes from. My joy doesn't come from my circumstances because the circumstances are going to go up and down all the time. Right. But I have to find joy in my savior saying, OK, you know what? doesn't matter what happens here. I'm excited because I, I get to spend time with Jesus. And he just said, amen. So that was kind of cool. Um, and so, again, as we wrap up here, um, the, the, we see the six things that Paul is praying for. And, and, and I think really it, it really goes in this order, like like kind of like the Holy Spirit knew what it was doing when it wrote it. But it says, God, know God's will for our life. And so what is God's will? To walk worthy, to be fruitful in good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, be strengthened by his power, patience, and long-suffering. And so this is what the will of God looks like for in our life. And it's interesting how Paul says, you know what? I'm going to pray for this for the church of Coloss. This prayer should be for all of us. Right. As we pray, we should be praying. You can ask some of the young adults. My thing is I always ask them, what do you think the will of God is for your life? Um, I actually taught another church. And I was talking to some kids and I'm like, OK, they were going on a month trip. I said, OK, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to pray for the next month of what God's called you to do. What's will? What's God's will for your life? I think it's super important. Why? And, and, and so Paul is praying to the church of Coloss these certain things because this is probably what they were struggling with. Right. Because, again, all these different things were going on in, in the church of Colossus as well as Galatia and these other churches. But the Gnosticism, all these false teachings get in there and they start disrupting what, 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 what they're doing. And so I want to end with this verse. It's verse 12. It says, giving thanks to the father who qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Everything that we have is because of Jesus. Everything that we that we own, every, every possession that I have, it's Jesus's. You know, I look back, you know, me and my wife have been married for 23 years. And I look back, you know, going, man, I can't, I still can't believe that she married me. And, and yet, like, like, he gave me her. Right. And then, and then he allowed us to have three other kids. And, and it's all about because th- that's what he had for us and thanking him for everything. Right. And qualifies partakers of that inheritance. That inheritance is the kingdom of God. Right. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now we get to be partakers. Right. Because he did that. We believe in Jesus. Right. Romans 10 9 says that if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we'll be saved. And because we do that now we got to be a partaker of that inheritance. I just think it's super cool. And that light that he speaks of, the saints in the light, we are no longer in that darkness. We're no longer in that bondage. We're no longer in that area of our life. Now, now we have light. Now we get to see light at the end of the tunnel. And so as you guys go away this afternoon, I pray that you guys would be encouraged in the fact that, man, Let's be praying for churches. Let's be praying for each other. You know, I don't know if you guys have, have a, a prayer list that you guys send out, whatnot, like something's going on in the church, but I think those are super fruitful. We, at our church, we have a, people can email a prayer list in and it goes to all the pastors first. And then sometimes it says, it says, uh, um, it says, uh, you know, do you want to be contacted? And if it says yes, I love those because I love talking to people. And so that means I just get to call them now and, and, and talk to them and, and then pray with them over the phone. And that's also something I'd encourage you guys to do is, is how many of you guys are guilty of like, you know, um, I talk a lot, sorry, but, um, you know, guilty of the fact that like, you know, somebody comes up to you and they're telling you about the circumstances going on. You're like, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And then you go home and you don't pray for them, but then you see them next Sunday and you're like, Hey, I've been praying for you and you know, you're lying, but you, but you can't tell them like, Hey, I didn't pray for you. Right. And so, and so, you know, what I've learned over the times I heard a pastor teaching one time, he's like, just, just, just pray for him right there. Oh, that's a good point. 
right? So that, so that's what I do now. Somebody has a prayer request. I pray for them right there. Um, when they call into the church or whatever, we, I pray for them over the phone. And, and so, um, you know, I, I really believe that's why we, we pray is to make sure that we're lifting each other up. Cause like, like James says, right? That's our job. We, we support, we're supposed to be praying for each other, for the sick, all the different things, people that, Hey man, things are going great in my life. Awesome. Thank the Lord that those are going. So, um, amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for the message that you have. I thank you that, that we can come together and fellowship in this building and that we can share your word. Lord, without any kind of distractions, without anything going around, we're not worried about people busting down our doors. And you are just an amazing and a loving God. And I'm so thankful uh, to be here this morning. And so I pray as we go out that we would be a church because the, the, the building is just a building. The people are the church. And so I pray that, that as a church, we would be out there praying for people, that we would seek out people, that we would pray diligently for people, and that we'd be known as a church that prays. And so, Lord, I just thank you. I pray that you bless this building. I pray that you bless Brian and this congregation abundantly with everything that they need and that they do. I'm so thankful for him. Pray that you'd protect him on his way home as well and and everything that he's doing out there, that you would just truly bless him, Lord, that you would refresh him. Um, Lord, that he would come back just excited and being able to share with the congregation of what the Lord has showed him over the last weeks. And so just thankful. Just pray that you continue to bless this place. Bless the servants, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.